0: This episode may contain content not suitable for some audiences, including crimes against children, mentions of suicide, descriptions of a graphic nature, and adult language at times. Listener discretion is advised.
1: As a few days had passed in October 2009 without anybody seeing 50-year-old Alan Wood at work or sitting at his favourite pub, his friends and colleagues began to worry. It wasn't like Alan to disappear like that. So a friend and colleague drove to his house in Lound to check on him. What they discovered inside Alan's bungalow was like a scene from a slasher movie. You are listening to True Crime Britain. Join me, Rhiannon, each Wednesday as I tell the solved and unsolved stories of some of the most disturbing, mysterious and heartbreaking crimes committed throughout the United Kingdom. Welcome to this week's episode. Born in Gillingham, Alan was the eldest of three children, to Jim and Maureen Wood. He grew up with his two sisters, Janice and Sylvia, in the village of Garby, Lincolnshire. After finishing his education allen found work at a company called warners printers in the nearby town of bourne friends and family described allen as a kind and laid-back person who was very well liked hard-working and enthusiastic about enjoying the simple things in life in 1986, Allen married a woman named Joanne, but the couple separated after 11 years of marriage in 2003 without ever having children together. Yet Alan and Joanne remained on good terms and kept in contact even after she moved to Peterborough. When Allen's role was then made redundant after several years with Warner's Printers, he decided to change the direction of his career altogether. Allen had always loved gardening, so after working for a while at Russell's Nursery in Little Bytham and then Barnsdale Gardens, Allen decided to set up his own business called Gardens TLC. Due to the seasonal nature of gardening, Allen also took a part-time role at his local Sainsbury's store to secure his income during the winter months. Allen was very popular at the workplace and got along with his colleagues extremely well. Allen was an avid photographer who had recorded weddings for several of his friends. He also had a passion for motorcycles and cars. Alan's Black Triumph Speed Triple and an E-Type Jaguar were his pride and joy. When Alan wasn't out with his camera or his vehicles, he loved spending time with his nieces and nephews or socialising at his local pub, the Willoughby Arms, in Little Bytham. Alan was a well-known regular who was often seen at the bar with a pint, a packet of peanuts and a newspaper. The Willoughby Arms was the centre of Alan's active social life. Overall, Alan seemed to be living a happy and content life, surrounded by the people who loved him. He rented a small bungalow, Manor House, just off the A1621 in Lound. At the time of the Doomsday Book 1086, Lound consisted of just 18 households, two mills and a church. And by 2009, things hadn't changed that much. The village was still quiet and unremarkable. Not really a setting for one of the most shocking crimes in the history of Lincolnshire. On the 24th of October 2009, Alan's friends and colleagues were starting to feel concerned. Nobody had seen the 50-year-old in the last couple of days and he hadn't turned up for his shift at work either wanting to see if everything was all right. A friend and co-worker headed to Alan's manor house. When they arrived, they found both the front and back doors wide open. Because of the abnormality of the situation, plus the fact that there was no response from calling out for Alan, the friend decided to contact the landlord who arrived at the property shortly after. Together, they entered the bungalow and discovered a gruesome scene. As they stepped into the living room, they saw Alan lying face down on the floor in a pool of blood. His hands were bound with sellotape and there were horrific wounds to his head. As they looked at the already congealed blood, it became obvious that Alan had been dead for some time. A massive police investigation that would eventually be named Operation Magnesium soon began. A medical examination revealed that Alan had been stabbed in the head repeatedly with a bladed object before his throat had been cut, causing his death. Disturbingly, it was reported that the killer or killers had inflicted post-mortem mutilation and had even attempted to decapitate their victim. The investigators were puzzled. Why would anyone use such violence against a man who had no known enemies and never had a disagreement with anyone. Alan wasn't known to be involved in anything illegal or illicit, so how and why was he targeted? It soon became clear that nobody had heard or seen anything strange during the days that Alan was missing. However investigators were able to trace the 50-year-old's movements before the horrific tragedy. Alan was last seen alive three days earlier, on Wednesday, October 21st. After doing some shopping in Morrison's in Stamford, which was confirmed by CCTV, Alan stopped by the Willoughby Arms, where he had a drink and spoke to the bar staff until around 6.30pm. After that, no one saw Alan, except his killer or killers. So there was a 65-hour window from when Alan was last seen alive to when his body was discovered. Based on the evidence found at the scene, the police were able to piece together the likely chain of events and even pinpoint Alan's time of death. On Thursday evening, it is believed that Alan had been relaxing at home, likely reading in bed, when he got up and went to the front door. Either... Someone had knocked the door, or Alan was drawn to it by sounds of a disturbance in his garden. Whichever the case, as soon as Alan opened the front door, he was overpowered by one or two men who dragged him into the living room. The intruders then used sellotape to restrain their victim, before beginning extreme levels of violence and torture. As it appeared only bank cards were missing from his house. The police believed the killer demanded Alan tell his PIN number, and when he refused, he was stabbed in the head and eye. It is possible that Alan was then tortured over a period of time, with the killer then leaving to see if the PIN number worked or not, and returning to finish the job or continue the torture if the PIN was wrong. Finally, Alan's throat was cut. It isn't known why the killer then attempted to cut his head off and then changed their mind. Likely, the motive for that was simply bloodlust. But due to the weapon being unfit for purpose, the process would have taken far too long. Cool fact a crocodile
0: can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Alan's bank cards had been used several times. A total of 11 attempts were made, but only two were successful in nearby Bourne and Stamford. CCTV footage from these attempts showed that whoever had used the cards definitely wasn't Alan. Furthermore, a witness came forward saying that she had seen two men using a cash point at Allen's workplace in Sainsbury's at around 9:30 p.m. on Thursday. One of the men at the ATM was described as 5 foot 9 to 5 foot 11 inches with a medium to slim build wearing quote, "smart casual kind of clothes." a distinctive striped scarf, and converse trainers. Experts outside the force who analysed the CCTV footage came to the conclusion that the man had an unusual walk due to his right leg being slightly longer than his left. In addition, this person was a smoker and seemed to be knowledgeable of the area's CCTV systems, as he took precautions to avoid recognition. From the crime scene, the investigators recovered a footprint made by a size 8 Converse Mark L.E. red trainer. They also found pieces of a bus ticket stuck to the sellotape That was used to bind Alan's hands. The ticket was from a local transport firm called Delane that runs buses in the Bourne area. Based on CCTV footage and interviews of the drivers and passengers, the investigators concluded that the passenger had likely been Alan's killer and not Alan himself. The most exciting discovery was made when the blood from the scene was examined. Not all of it belonged to Alan. It appeared that when the killer had attacked Alan, they had accidentally cut themselves, or maybe Alan had caused injury to them by fighting back. Whichever the case, the police now had a full male DNA profile. Unfortunately, after running the sample through the national DNA database, it came back with no matches. The profile was also sent to other DNA databases in countries around the world, but again, no match was found. Meanwhile, the investigators were still trying to understand the motive behind this gruesome murder. Money seemed to be the obvious reason why Alan had been tortured and his bank cards taken. But the thing is, Alan Wood was not a wealthy man so why did the killer, or killers, target him? It has been speculated that perhaps the fact that Alan drove a Jaguar had maybe given someone the impression that he had money, even though the car was actually not valuable at all. And there was another thing too. Alan bore a strong resemblance to a manager at the Sainsbury store. Could it be that this was a case of a mistaken identity? Alan's friend Ella Jenkins thinks it is Quote, The Jaguar was his pride and joy, and it looked fabulous, but it was probably worth just £500. I saw the manager at the funeral. He was the same build and the same colouring. It was kind of, at first, it was Alan, but he didn't have glasses. My gut feeling is that they thought he had money, or that they thought he had the keys to the store. It has also been suggested that perhaps Alan had met the wrong people while doing some gardening work in prison years before, or maybe he was a casual user of sex workers and somehow he had been targeted because of that. Neither of these theories, however, is supported by any evidence. Alan's family and friends are certain that they would have known if he'd have had any enemies or if he ever felt his life was threatened. The level of violence in this case is one that has puzzled the authorities and public alike. If the killer or killers really wanted just money, then why torture their victim for quite some time and then almost cut their head off? One theory is that the intruders really thought Alan was somebody else, and that he was wealthy, and when they didn't get what they wanted, they got angry. Sadly, despite all the theories and the evidence, including CCTV footage and a full DNA profile, it soon became evident that, ...that Alan's case was not going to be solved quickly. The case eventually received massive publicity... ...and it was featured on Crimewatch UK twice. Sainsbury's even offered a reward... totaling £60,000... ...for information that would lead to a conviction. And still, to this day... Over a decade later, Alan Wood's murder remains without answers. Nobody has ever come forward saying they recognised the man on the CCTV footage, nor has the DNA profile ever been matched to anyone in the database. The DNA still remains on the active with regular reviews pile and the investigators are hopeful that one day they will find, if not a total match, a familial match, meaning a relative of Alan's killer. Over the years, four people have been arrested in relation to Alan's murder, but each one of them have been released without charge. It is believed that there were at least two people present at Alan's house that day. Likely, one going to the ATMs with the bank cards while staying in phone contact with the other, and the other torturing Alan to get the correct PIN number. The offenders also had local knowledge, so it is likely that they either live or or have lived in the area, or have had connections with it otherwise. The bus ticket found at the crime scene supports this idea, in addition to the fact that the killers targeted Alan. Alan lived in a tiny village on a remote road. It just doesn't seem plausible that the killers might have happened upon his house one day, and then decided to rob him. It was more likely that they knew Alan, not necessarily personally, but they may have been following him to know where he lived and watched his bungalow before the attack. Today, 12 years later, the inquiry into Alan Wood's murder is still ongoing But without someone coming forward with new information or the police finding a full familial match for the unknown blood sample, the killers are likely to remain undetected. The police have said that they are trying to trace a man named Powell, a Polish national who worked at a local car wash that Alan was known to have frequented with his Jaguar. It is unclear why the authorities are interested in talking to Powell but they have emphasised that he is not a suspect in the case but he may have critical information. Despite the passing of time, Alan Wood has not been forgotten. His friends and family created a memorial garden at the Willoughby Arms, combining the two things Alan loved the most. Anyone with any information concerning the murder of Alan Wood should contact Lincolnshire Police on 101, quoting Operation Magnesium, or you can call Crimestoppers anonymously. On zero eight zero zero five 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 one one one. Thank you for listening to this week's episode, and thank you for your kind messages of support, feedback, positive reviews, and of course, your patience. I really do appreciate it, and I love reading what you have to say. For transcripts, photos, credits, and resources relating to today's episode, please visit www.truecrimebritain.com. If you'd like to access things like ad-free, early release, and bonus episodes, I'd love you to consider supporting the show by joining me on Patreon where you could get access to all that and even more rewards from just £1 a month. You can join now by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash truecrimebritain or see the episode description. Don't forget, you can also like, follow and or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a future episode. There are some big cases coming up and I wouldn't want you to miss out. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube for regular case updates. Just search for True Crime Britain. If you're already supporting me on Patreon, you can find next week's episode already there waiting for you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and please. Stay safe.
0: If you have any information relating to any of the cases featured on this show, you can contact the police on 101 or Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 For more information, please visit our website at www.truecrimebritain.com where you can find further details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more